It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are solid for a third straight morning as we await a Fed statement and presser this afternoon. Big IPO day, snowflake pricing strong, retail sales were amiss, and oil is responding to Hurricane Sally, which did make landfall as a cap too. Our roadmap begins with FedWatch news conference later on this afternoon. Stocks are set for gains at the open. Quote, a lost decade for stocks. Blackstone's warning for investors about expected economic and corporate headwinds. And big tech pressures, the FTC eyeing an antitrust suit against Facebook and Spotify challenging that uh, announcement from Apple yesterday. Plus, Jim, FedEx and Adobe to kick around from last night. Wow. I mean, these were congratulations, gentlemen and ladies, calls uh, because the numbers were so unbelievably good, much better than people expected. Now, this is rather amazing, Carl. Why? Because there were firms that upgraded and pushed and raised numbers for weeks, and yet they were dramatically exceeded. FedEx, because of e-com, 96% of the growth there is e-com. And Adobe, because it's how companies are able to digitize quickly, particularly retailers, in order to be able to take advantage of this amazing wave, this amazing boom of e-commerce to the home because of the pandemic. So how can there be such a, um, a structural a thematically strong story behind e-commerce and uh, packages and and growth and the targets that FDX uh, has pulled forward by years and all the good news today on vaccines and therapeutics. Well, I think what's really convincing here on FedEx is that they're talking about how there's actually a weak economy in the service economy, and that is weak. And they say it really doesn't matter. We've got this new material economy at home. So, I mean, when I look at the retail sales, they seem weaker, but I think FedEx and and Adobe are at the heart of e-com. And I don't think that those numbers pick up e-com. I do think that when we speak to Meg, I hope she's talking about the possibility, David, this has always been a focus of yours, about the therapeutics. I didn't hear anything today from Lilly or Regeneron in my own reporting that made me feel that, uh, David, that those are on the horizon or that they'll get you out of the hospital quickly. Well, listen, they did miss on the higher dose, Lily. They had an effect at the middle dose range, which is which is good. Um, and that is another data point that does at least support the efficacy of antivirals in this disease, Jim. Uh, the manufacturing capacity of these antibodies, by the way, worldwide, I'm told, even if you stopped all other drugs, not enough to supply the need. Um, so you're looking more towards, once again, what I come back to, which is that small molecule antiviral that Merck is working on, that we've got to keep a close eye on. Right. Well, I do know Regeneron is, you know, Regeneron's got highly potent neutralizers. I just think it's September, Carl, and uh, the clock seems to be ticking for a lot of these small businesses. An excellent piece, excellent piece uh, on Squawk this morning about how the small businesses are being hurt so much. But when was the last time we traded a small business? And the answer is we don't because they're not public. Uh, yep, the, the big blind spot that uh, public equities have that we've talked about for a long time. Uh, the president last night, Jim, um, throwing out the three to four week timeline on at least the introduction of a vaccine. Um, so I guess we have to sort of throw that in the mix, uh, despite what others 
in the industry and at NIH talk about in terms of being at the end of the year instead? Well, maybe it's entirely possible that the trials are uh, not in the thick of things in New York because our, our rate is so low and what you really need are people in hot spots. Uh, there's only one active, I've, I've called all the drug companies, the only one active tri- uh, trial that I know I can get in is in the Moderna trial. Uh, almost all the other trials are just not in New York, uh, which makes me feel like that perhaps we in New York, are, uh, after a terrible period, are not experiencing, David, uh, what uh, the rest of the country is in terms of sign-ups. I mean, 30,000, 40,000 people. You're, you, you would think that some of the hospitals in New York would be giving you this, like the J&J. Everyone from J&J apparently is going to take the vaccine. But in, I'm right. looking at Dave right here. I know I'm supposed to look at the camera. But there, is, uh, there are places where, they must, where uh, so many people have the vaccine or are on trial, but they're sure not in New York. No. Uh, you know, thankfully, of course, we went through our very hard time. Thankfully, as well, other parts of the country, while suffering much higher rates, are not having nearly as high rates of hospitalizations. You've also got a lot of these clusters associated with the reopening of universities and colleges, younger people who are getting it, but uh, at least maybe don't seem to be passing it on to a, a, a more susceptible population, Jim. Yeah, well, but we got to keep Big a close eye on it. Now, by the way, you're back. not giving the vaccine to everybody who's sick. Clearly, you're giving it also to a lot of people who have nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's make well, that clear. You look for people both who it can, who actually have been exposed to the virus, but also most of the people you're giving it to haven't been. Right. You and, make and remember, sure the third, it actually generates a response. What's interesting is the therapeutics are given both to people who are sick, but also to people who are not sick who are family members. Now, that almost sounds like a vaccine in itself. Yep. But uh, to go, and we're going to hear about this when we talk about FedEx, the complications of getting these drugs to people uh, make me feel like while the you know, president, uh, it, it, I think, yes, it's possible there'll be some vaccines, uh, but I don't know if you want to be in the first wave uh, if you're at risk. Uh, remember, you're, you're being given something that is um, novel, not unlike the illness. So, Carl, I, I, I think that, well, I want everyone to try it. Like, it's America's duty to take, to take vaccines so we can get this problem solved. Uh, I do think that people who are at risk are, uh, are not wanted in a lot of these trials, except for the J&J. <clears throat> right. at ri- I'm and sorry, age, before, at guys, uh, age at risk. Right. There are other kinds at risk that they do want. But you can't, given my age, get into a lot of these trials. And I feel very young. Right, right. And, of course... The saying is that the the virus will drive the economy. And, David, I know you've been watching uh, the bank presentations this week, uh, sort of the narrative that maybe reserves don't need to go up incrementally in coming quarters. But you can't ignore uh, what Citi has done in terms of price action for a variety of reasons this week. You can't. And I'm I'm glad we we can hit it now because, uh, you know, you, you we want to watch the stock given the last two sessions. Now, uh, part of it may have been an update outlook commentary that was when you read the analyst notes, which I've done a lot of this morning, at least that they, they call it modestly disappointing. And that's that's those that are being negative, uh, you know, something of an increase in expenses, uh, the mid quarter update at that conference, generally in line with, for example, Piper Sandler's things, uh, city calling it a reboot city now given control issues. Now, that's the other part of it. Remember, they did speak about adding to reserves in order to guard against potentially a weakening economy. But as well, Jim, there was this news of, um, of potential oversight or more oversight in terms of operational risk deficiencies at the bank. Um, either way, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. We see that it may be up 
in the pre-market, or it may even go up actually when uh, trading begins in 23 minutes, Jim, but Citi has suffered a significant percentage loss in two sessions. I thought it was uh, very significant. And, and also, by the way, incredibly, sur- uh, really surprising given that they had C-car tests and they came out with flying colors. A lot of people felt that Citi went through the C-car and did the best. So obviously, even the regulators don't seem to know what they're doing. The delinquency, uh, I'm sorry, the big charge-off rates in credit cards is something to watch for Citi. Remember, they've made a very big move in credit cards. But when the controls are weak, what it makes it sound like is Wells Fargo. Now, is Citi Wells Fargo? Wells Fargo really did so many things that were wrong. Uh, but this is not the time to buy the stock of Citi, I think. If you really want to be in a bank, which I don't think you should be, be one in one that doesn't have a lot of banking exposure. That's Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs. I watched the stock of J.P. Morgan crumble yesterday, and I'm trying to figure out whether that was, a, 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 David, whether it was an extension of Citi or whether Jamie Dimon has urged people to come back, come back, come back. And what happened? They got a COVID. case of COVID. Yeah, I know on the trading floor. We can well, spread one is, you know, these COVID's like cockroaches. Man. No, it is. It is. And, and, and I don't it, may, have, it may have hurt their plan. I'm not sure, though, the bank somehow was, you know, was it being penalized for everybody working from home? Did the stock go up when they came back to the office so that it should come back down when they're leaving the office? That was unclear to me. Maybe it's just more of a follow-on effect from concerns about Citi and whether that in any way is going to be reflected as well at JPM and their credit card portfolios. I don't know, Jim, but your point's a good one. I mean, Citi's performance now, still not as bad as Wells Fargo, but it's catching up. It's down 44%. Uh, over the over this year, uh, Wells is down 53 percent. Well, Carl, what, what people are risk are whispering is how are the regulators going to continue to let them get away with that dividend? Uh, now, regulators never talk directly about dividend, but when you remember that, well, Wells Fargo, uh, they were under heavy pressure, uh, and I think that. It is really unbelievable that a week ago we saw, well, early we just saw the retirement of, of Michael Corbett, and this was not included yep. in the release. Yeah. Now, they, if, if a close le- reading of the release, some people could say, did give a hint to it, a really close reading, and you could have, and you could have seen that there's some great regulatory pressure. Uh, at the same time, sometimes you just get had. Um, guys, um, <laughs> I want to I want to end here uh, if we're if we are in terms of our first conversation today on Facebook, if we can hit that, because, you know, our uh, people, you can forgive people if their eyes are going to glaze over at the latest story about potential antitrust action against Facebook. But perhaps that shouldn't be the case. And the handful of conversations I had this morning, this certainly seemed to be one of the foremost topics uh, of concern. The stock is not looking down much, but I'm referring to a Wall Street Journal story that says the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is preparing possible antitrust Uh, well, a a lawsuit against Facebook. Um, They spent more than a year investigating whether Facebook uses its, and this is, I'm quoting here, its powerful market position to stifle competition. And it's part of, of course, what we know is this broader effort by the antitrust authorities. Remember, the DOJ and the FTC split up sort of the big four uh, and are looking at them. But don't ignore this. This is potentially enormous news if, in fact, it happens. Now, no final decision has been made. Again, this is the journal reporting, not our own here. That is according to people familiar with the matter. Commission doesn't always bring cases, even when it makes preparations to do so. But, Jim, it is possible this is going to happen. The FTC is going to file suit to break up Facebook. Uh, Look, I, I have to tell you that when I think about it, 
I want the stock of Instagram. I want the stock of Facebook. I want the stock of WhatsApp. I mean, once again, this is not necessarily a negative thing for stockholders. But if you're running Facebook, you don't want to be told, here's what the government says you have to do. Uh, I think that they all fit in better than, say, an alphabet. I haven't seen Facebook steer anybody. I haven't seen Facebook make it so that that there is just a collapse of, of competition. If anything, let's just put it out there. If you get TikTok here and you get an and you get an IPO for TikTok and TikTok is an American company, unlike what the Wall Street Journal says, you got another competitor. Snap is more energized than it used to be. We know that Twitter is better than it's been. I personally have seen the wrath of Twitter. So I do think that, Carl, um, the FTC <laughs> may be. <laughs> Oh, what? Sometimes it's your time. Uh, but the FTC may just, I think, be saying uh, something that's later than what the facts are now. Don't forget, FTC may not be including how much Facebook's doing for small business people, which is pretty incredible. Right. And a lot of people say, including and Gary Vaynerchuk, whom I regard as being the ultimate arbor because he is Mr. Miss, he, he is Mr. Ecom. And he's saying that Facebook's the best value for anybody who wants to reach, reach customers. Said it on my show. Yeah. I love it. There's a lot of... A lot of snickers uh, this morning, Jim, about this uh, stop hate for profit campaign. But, you know, Kardashian's got 60 plus uh, million followers, I think more than that on Instagram. And even though it's only for 24 hours, do you believe that this strike of sorts by celebrities is an incremental move on top of what we saw from some advertisers like Nike? Um, We've seen this before. What's interesting, and I know, David, you've seen this, too. It's not like Facebook has ever really made the great inroads in, consu- in, in the consumer brands. Now, a lot of the companies that use them have actually had very good results. Uh, these people are all obviously important, but some of them put the hate on Facebook for a long time. Sasha Byron Cohen. I mean, it, that's I nothing know. new. No, um, nothing seems to stop Facebook. Are whether you it's the advertiser or, boycotts. Really, Orlando Bloom, that, right that you, now. Orlando you know what, Bloom. Know I says? haven't seen his face or name in ages. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with him. What's he been? What's is he working anymore? What the heck do um, I know? But, I know, just did a pro- program with Leonardo DiCaprio. Not that handsome, I made him. Still handsome. Listen. Handsome. Uh, Facebook, That's it? Facebook has withstood every single challenge. I mean, the boycotts from advertisers. Remember that one? You just referred to it. Yes. We found out, of course, really the top 100 advertisers, not a huge part of them. Um, the potential antitrust action. Uh, uh, things like you're seeing there. Criticism from Congress, from the president. That said, let's not forget, Carl, this is a Republican administration potentially getting ready to take action against Facebook. And we have an election coming up. One would imagine the Democrats would not be any less severe in their approach. I'm on it every day. And you know what? I am going to I'm going to take a minute and not be on it. Battleshovel Row. (laughs) You made your point. I'm making a statement. That's what Orlando you Bloom is doing point, now. Jim. Carnival it, was, He was one of the yeah. Disney characters, and one no, of he was in the he was in the, the pirate movie. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Guys, uh, there's a ton of news, obviously, on GM and Boeing, and we'll get to Adobe this morning. A lot of sell side calls on Tesla, Cat, uh, Tapestry, Lennar, obviously Apple. Futures are strong. We're back in a couple of minutes. Investors continue to digest the news out of yesterday's Apple product launch event. The company, as you know by now, unveiling new watches, iPad, this bundle of services uh, and other offerings as well. At least two firms raised their targets today. Needham goes to 140. Uh, They were at 112 and a half. Piper goes to 130 from 113, Jim. And Laura Martin of Needham does say that the uh, economics of bundling 
are very powerful, especially for a company like Apple. Look, I think that there's a big issue here with Apple, which is that every time they do something, there are people who say it's just incremental. It's just incremental. Well, you know what? Incremental adds up. And that is what Apple is doing. I got my bill the other day for Apple. And it feels very much like my cable bill now, which you can't, except for I have to look at it, which drives me crazy because it's so big. Uh, and David, you know, if you incrementally add, I know you don't wear a watch, but I do blood <laughs> oximeter every day. OK, yeah, yeah, I just why do I do it? Well, you see, there's this thing called the pandemic. So I measure my blood. And it's a pain in the butt. I keep the Massimo thing with me everywhere I go. Well, now I don't have to. And so incrementally, I like that. Incrementally, do I want the different uh, sports, uh, you know, the, the kind of like Fitbit kind of stuff? Eh, not me, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, there's something for everybody here. And well, the oximeter it, it, conceivably has, uh, I mean, is particularly important in the current environment, right? Because it can be a sign of the virus. You know, people take, here's an oddity. People take your temperature. Uh-uh. That's not it. It's the blood oximeter. That's far more important. Now, one of the things I proposed was that uh, to different people was that we ought to have from IFF a, a taste strip as soon as we get up. Now, initially, the doctors were split. They said that taste wasn't that. Now we know that taste is probably the single biggest indicator, taste and smell. So I like anything that makes it so I don't have to have one more device that I schlep around. Carl, I don't think people realize that this Apple Watch has now become one of the most potent forces. And if they could somehow get my healthcare records on it so that if I'm not conscious. You could just look at it. I know they're working on that. Then I would feel like, you know what? I have now got the holy grail for healthcare. So I think that's where they're going. It, remember, Tim Cook has always said that his, he believes his greatest legacy will be healthcare, And it turned out to be on the watch. You think you're sure everything's yeah. accurate, uh, Jim? I mentioned that because I have been using the watch. I appropriated one from my son. It's a three. I've been using it for open water swimming, but the, the actual readouts that I'm getting are not always accurate. My heart rate seems way higher than potentially. My splits on hundreds are, not, are all over the place. Even the distance, when there's a current, it's longer, even though I usually go the same amount. So I just wonder. That I is hope a, that's unfortunate that. uh, and not good. And that means that there could be false positives. You get a blood oximeter at 91. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, I do think that uh, anything that makes it seem like that you're doing okay and you're not is no good. Uh, I have a problem when I swim, which is that the, the Siri, Siri doesn't work because somehow the water gets inside it. I don't know if you've had that problem. No, you turn the little knob and it ejects. The crown? The yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, yesterday it said, I think you're working out. And I came back and said, yeah, I'm working out. <laughs> well, there you go. There's the interaction we've been looking for, Carl. I mean, there is a kind of a, I mean, I don't want to say the, the word S-I-R-I because I've got it. And yesterday she went off during the, the other show. <laughs> she, she never has a she single has a good thing to that. say. Oh, um, here she goes. Oh, I mentioned she understands spelling. Oh, my God. She's smarter than my late so, dog. Oh, yeah. All right. So, so w- were you uh, were you moved at all by uh, Spotify's response uh, and their concerns that this bundling might actually have some uh, deleterious uh, antitrust effects? Uh, look, Spotify, I've been back and forth with them. I know how they feel. Uh, let it go to court. I mean, let Facebook go to court for that matter. I think that uh, the Apple, I, look, I think that the Apple App Store is the greatest thing ever because I never would find these sites otherwise. And I do think that, by the way, just to go back to Facebook, um, when you do these antitrust investigations, David, uh, how many times has Alphabet been investigated for antitrust? 
They had been investigated. Nobody's well, the Europeans have certainly been much more aggressive than the U.S., Jim. And yes. we always should point out this does take place. You have to bring your case and it can be and typically is years but it doesn't mean to come back to Facebook in particular that if the FTC does decide to do it, it is not an unimportant moment for that company. I it think, is a very important moment. I think they have to look at small, medium-sized business and how it's just been an explosion for them. That's how you get in contact with people. By the way, on Apple Watch, I want to just go up, circle back for a second. Yeah. Uh, I have the credit card. I like that. It always gives me. I did some buying in the credit card the other day. It gives me what's up. And, and I have I found the health care good. Uh, but I, I am disturbed about what you said. Uh, Carl, well, it may just be on the fitness thing, in it, you know, in particular for that one application. Well, I, don't wanna, I don't want to throw anything out there. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it may not be that easy to measure for an well, old Well, I know that I think you should. That's something that have to be. I, I've, I've had such great success with it. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe, David, you're where you have to wear it on your arm. I know you don't. <laughs> I do. do. I wear it uh, I think maybe that in the wrong place. No, I, I know where I'm putting it. Yeah. Thank you, though. <laughs> When we come back, Adobe will be getting a lift on those numbers from last night. We'll talk to Shantanu Narayan later on this morning on Squawk Alley. Don't miss that. We're back in a minute. Busy Wednesday morning as we uh, respond to FedEx and Adobe. Obviously, the Fed this afternoon. Snowflake's going to be a big story today on the IPO front. And futures are hanging in there. Opening bells in about six minutes. Let's get to a mad dash as we count you down two minutes before we get an opening bell. Adobe certainly going to be a feature today, Jim. Yeah, look, Adobe was a, a tour de force. It was one of those things where uh, record traffic uh, to Adobe.com, strength in Creative Cloud, strength in all, actually in all the clouds. And what I liked about it was they even saw some strength coming back in small to medium-sized businesses, but they had tremendous growth in the million-dollar deals. I mean, we saw particular strength with a number of transactions greater than $1 million in new annual subscription value, which means that that... Uh, annual uh, rate of, of, of revenue, David, the retention that they have is really extraordinary. Uh, Adobe is how you get on the web and look professional. And anyone who's used Adobe, what's incredible is uh, it, the annual recurring revenue comes from everybody. Right. It, it comes from my daughter. I mean, it comes from anybody who likes to uh, yes. express themselves. Anyone, as, as Shantanu always says, who wants to tell a story because we all have stories. Uh, another conference call that if you read it, you feel better, but then you could say, well, of course. I mean, what are they doing? Is they're, they're doing e-commerce, David. You know, I like e to, I mean, you've talked about this name. We've talked about it for years. I do like to take a look, can we, at the five-year chart, because it does give you a sense that there are plenty of times when it is just a better thing to be a long-term investor. Just hold on. Yeah, and now that, uh, for the, the long-term the, value creation that this man, Shantanu, has, has been able to put into place as a result of changing the business model years ago. Right, well, that's what I was going to say, that what caused this was he went to the cloud, uh, and it killed the stock when he did. He's a visionary. It's one of the great stocks of all time. Yeah. That's for sure. Guys, there's the opening bell at the NYSE this morning. It is Snowflake, a cloud data software maker, celebrating what will be the largest IPO of the year. We'll talk to the CEO after it opens for trade. At the NASDAQ, also celebrating an IPO, it's JFrog, provider of continuous development release management software. And we'll talk to both CEOs uh, later this morning on Squawk Alley. Jim, Snowflake's going to be a big talker for us uh, today. The Berkshire involvement, uh, the pricing power in terms of uh, where they're coming to market, uh, the valuation on revenue. Uh, pretty much got to look far and wide for something that rich at the open um, at this scale. There isn't. It, it will be the richest, uh, highest valued 
IPO we've ever had. Uh, now, I, Frank's putting up numbers that are just amazing, triple digit. And the market is struggling, struggling to figure out how to value this. So why not give it to, they're saying, listen, if Zoom is 50 times sales, we got to make this a little bit more. Uh, you get stock on the opening and then you buy, uh, you get stock in the deal, then you buy stock in the opening, you get a good basis. But Frank's put together a company that makes it so that you can have analysis in the cloud like no other. Actually, a bit of a threat to Amazon in that way. You know, the other day, um, we, we saw Bob Pisani talk about the idea of how do you value a stock? How do you value this market? This is one of the toughest to value ever because it, maybe it's worth $60 billion and, and people don't even know. Like, what I'm afraid of, Carl, is there'll be people who are buying it and they think it's weather-related. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood, men in tights, men in sweatpants, men in yeah. snowsuits. Although, Jim, you know, um, to your point, to your larger point, uh, Goldman has a report out this morning saying that investors are looking for something other than the big five. Right. Uh, they call them the future five, and their list is Autodesk, ServiceNow, PayPal, Vertex, Intuitive. But this may fall into camps like that, right? People are going to yes, be looking definitely. for secondary yeah. names where the concentration is not so great, well, as well, David Costin told us yesterday. There's, yeah, Costin's on. He's on fire. But there are uh, – you go into a, any kind of big company, and there are all these analysts trying to analyze all, your, all the web data. It, well, Frank has come up with something that makes it so that you don't need any of those people. Uh, you get the web data that you need. Uh, Slootman is known as the man who took ServiceNow from a company that had $100 million in revenues when he came in to, one, uh, well, $1.2 billion. Uh, he, and then he quit. Why? Because he, as he told me, hey, you know what? I like to do these things. I like to start, get them to where they're scale and then move on. Well, he has done it here. And that's one of the reasons why people love it. Why does Salesforce love it? They love Slootman. I didn't know that Warren Buffett loved Slootman, but I find Slootman has been my guest many, many times. This guy is Belichick. He's the Belichick of the Valley. And Belichick's a winner. It turned out to be not Brady. It was Belichick. Um, guys, a little color just on the IPO itself. I mean, to Jim's point, to Carl, you're making the same one. This thing's going to be one to watch because I'm told the book is extraordinary. Yes. And Jim mentioned Salesforce and Berkshire, of course, as core investors there. That certainly doesn't hurt Slootman, everything else. It's a kind of a perfect storm, I guess. I don't know how to use it. Oh, is that snowflake yeah. storm? Is that like, like a that? joke? Yeah, you like that? I like but that. Jim, I, tried I mean, to tell I don't Joe know what this thing didn't go over. I don't maybe know. yours will. Uh, maybe. Well, yeah, mine was not what yours was. Um, uh, but where this thing opens, Jim, I have no idea, to your point. I don't know what multiple of revenues it's going to be, whether it's going to have, uh, you know, Three numbers or two in terms of uh, the multiple, but it's going to be enormous. And again, it is an extraordinary book in terms of orders that are coming in, as you might expect. Look, I mean, that is uh, we've been talking about for weeks already. I thought it might eventually go from 75 to 100, maybe 110. They did the deal at 120. And now you got a company that if they, you know, it's 35 billion. But David, given the demand on the IPO, I I think that it could be substantially more than that. Well, uh, well, again, I know, I mean, is, sales, there, is there a number at which you tell people stay away? Um, I don't want to pay. I know this is going to I know, like and I'm I put you Yahoo. on the spot on that I don't play more stuff. than uh, 50 times sales has been where I just say, are you kidding? Right. Uh, because 50 times earnings is expensive. Yeah. Uh, but I understand the power of Slootman, and it may turn out like NVIDIA, where Jensen Wong, Jensen had a vision. And the vision came out, okay? And it's entirely possible that Slubin's vision works out and the stock will be cheap on 2023 numbers. It's possible, David. 
Because sure. Slutnin is that good. No, listen, the, the, the growth rate is going to be enormous, Carl. We're talking again to just so people understand uh, data analysis that happens rapidly in the cloud. They warehouse your data and they immediately are making connections right. at enormous uh, speed. Uh, for mobile gaming companies, uh, they, you know, they talk about slicing and dicing trillions of interactions by their users to learn when to offer advancements for free, when to ask for in-app payments, and even the investment business now. I mean, for years, hedge funds have always tried to get a hold of various databases to try to get a sense for whatever they might be looking at. Credit card data was always important and things like that. But, Jim, I'm looking at this. They're, you know, they are going to be hedge funds are using the services to connect to other data sources, retail sales, weather reports. I mean, you name it to try to get an edge. And you don't think that uh, the chassis over at Amazon Web Services can offer something like this? I would think so. AWS is a huge uh, uh, customer. Yes, I, I know. Or I, sh- I should say Snowflake is a Snowflake huge customer, customer of AWS. AWS but, but, $1.2 billion, right, but they're going to spend Nobody has this years. product right now. Uh, Frank Slootman managed to convince Mark Benioff. Remember, Mark Benioff bought Tableau. I thought Tableau's doing fabulous for them. I thought Tableau had aspects of what Slootman uh, is giving, but people just sing, Carl, they sing the praises of this company uh, as if it's messianic. It's messianic. That's how people feel about about uh, Snowflake. Uh, and I said that you know Slootman is not a salesman; he's an operator, and an operator who is yeah. never stops. He's a cot in the office guy. That's why he's a cot in the office. That's what you want. Uh, we can't wait to talk to him later on today. Uh, guys, a lot of media news uh, right now. It's Big Ten football announcing that uh, the season will happen. The president tweeting about it as we speak, saying it is my great honor uh, to have helped. Uh, we'll see uh, what that means uh, for sports guys, even as ratings for football, as we know, have been down year on year. Uh, big piece in the Times, David, about Tenant and why that is leading some to believe that uh, theaters at least the distribution of theater, uh, theatrical content has a tougher slog than we might think. Yeah, uh, listen, and yesterday, um, our boss, Brian Roberts, of course, CEO as well, there's a tweet from the president about Big Ten football, um, which, hey, listen, we'll take it, take what we can get. Uh, but, you know, uh, Comcast, uh, Carl, uh, Brian Roberts was talking about Strength and broadband, extraordinary. Uh, and a number of things getting back to a sort of a normal level, but not the slate for next year, or at least not his expectations uh, in, in terms of how movies were going to do. And by the way, Jim, worth mentioning as well, um, given when you think movies, then you actually think streaming, which, of course, are endless, po- endless choices now. AT&T, uh, John Stanky talking about uh, introducing a service that is going to be a lower-priced version of HBO Max. It's going to be ad-supported. Remember, Peacock, NBC's entrance, is ad-supported. There is a higher tier where you don't have to have ads as well, but the main part of it is ad-supported. Interesting. I look back at my notes from when they introduced HBO Max. It's almost a year ago, not quite. And they had mentioned the possibility, at least, of, of AVOD, or it was at least part of the conversation then. But they are now talking, or he's talking about some content where you want to experience to be commercial-free, but others where you can get the light load. Uh, and so that, you know... That is coming as well. But, but David, I mean, uh, I, I, I know that ATT is struggling mightily. I mean, the stock's at 29. Comcast only up about 4%. They also have, obviously, they have theme park uh, besides. But uh, T-Mobile, David, T-Mobile. I thought that T-Mobile, once uh, John Leisure was done, uh, well, the, the pizzazz would go. T-Mobile, T-Mobile's a, 
It's up 50%. Yeah, it's up, it's up 50% roughly for this year. And, it, and much of that gain has been since the deal obviously closed. And even in the face of that enormous sale of stock by SoftBank of T-Mobile shares, as they continue to monetize so many of their stakes. This week, of course, it was the arm deal they announced with NVIDIA. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Mike Sievert, uh, no let up there uh, at all. And it's important to note, I mean, they've had, they added more subscribers than any, uh, any of, the, uh, of the majors. There are three now. Of course, Verizon, AT&T, and, and Timo Jim. Uh, and now they're at $145 billion market value. I mean, I keep an eye on AT&T. I mean, it's, there's still some distance, but, you know, they're kind of in the ballpark in terms of even size in the market. It's just, it's worth watching. As, by the way, is Dish. I haven't talked about it in a little while, guys. But don't forget, Charlie Ergen is out there still putting together what is supposed to become at some point a nationwide competitor in the wireless market in 5G. It may have a lot more enterprise applications, at least initially, but the idea is to roll it out to consumers as well. Uh, that was an important part of why the DOJ allowed Sprint and T-Mobile to get together in the first place. Hmm. Well, all I can tell you, Carl, is, is that the football numbers, a lot of people said they weren't good. Uh, the contest between the two octogenarian uh, quarterbacks, uh, uh, Breeze and uh, Brady, biggest number since 2016. Why is that bad? Why is what bad? The football uh, yeah. yeah. They're pretty good. At, I mean, you can still reach people. I mean, remember, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, other than Tesla, I saw all the ads for cars. Of course, Tesla doesn't have to advertise because it's a technology company that sells cars. But it seemed like everybody was back. Uh, and it does seem like you can still reach people with live sports. And I think that we're discovering that, 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 that it, it, it's going to be good for business. So I don't know. I'm not as negative on uh, TV as I was before we had every, every single station having a playoff game of some yeah. sport. I'm glad you mentioned Tesla, though. Oh. Uh, down for the first time in five sessions, Jim. As Reuters has this piece about GM, uh, a company memo that they saw, uh, in which they will announce a family of EV drive systems and motors uh, as they transition, in Reuters' words, to a, a fully uh, EV lineup. And um, I guess at this point we'll look for more clues about just how much GM is going to bring uh, to this contest, this inevitable contest between it and Tesla. Well, we got two, uh, two uh, price target bumps, of course, well below where the stock is. Credit Suisse at 400 uh, going to end then a Deutsche Bank uh, also going up big, but not anywhere near what we, uh, uh, we are where the stock is. But here's what I think matters. Battery day. Battery day is coming. Battery uh, day. September 22nd, battery day. And this is not like in Philadelphia where we threw batteries at the players. No. This is literally, yeah, the team. Literally, what this is, is ex- expectations across the board that he may have as much, that Elon Musk may have as much as a million-mile battery to a battery that lasts much longer than people realize. So you don't have to worry about charging. David, what are you hearing? <laughs> what am I hearing about a million-mile battery? How about battery day? I mean, you are you going to go to work on battery day? Are you going to go to work, first of all? Yes, I'm going to work on battery day. It's not, you don't have it off? No, I have not been given it off. Wow. If I mean, I'm, Carl, I'm, there are people I'm talking about this is. For the email in my inbox, this me is off for battery day. Game changer, game changer, game changer. And you're not going to necessarily uh, want to buy GM uh, and sell Tesla on September 22nd. Battery day. Uh, guys, before we end up here and head to Bob, I did want to hit Eastman Kodak 
which was a focus not that long ago for me, you may recall, of course, the $765 million loan that the company appeared to be getting to help fortify the supply chain for pharmaceuticals in this country. It was coming from something called the International Development Corporation, whose charter had been changed by executive order. I could go on and on here. But why I'm talking about this now is because, remember, there seemed to be some potentially strange trading in the stock, and also some of the senior executives were given options right before the announcement. Special committee employed a law firm. They came back with a report. They blamed disclosure issues on a junior employee who was able to modify a media advisory, media advisory about this loan, in a way that made it appear as if the information wasn't embargoed. That means you can't actually report on it. On concerns surrounding the options grants, the special committee said there was no intent to manipulate their timing. And as for that well-timed gift, remember the Kodak board member I've talked about, George Carfunkel, who gave what was, I think at the time, almost $30 million worth of stock? in a charitable donation, um, they said, hey, it doesn't appear to have violated federal securities laws. Kodak shares are soaring. It's Akon Gump, David. I mean, how'd they get that? Would they, they, how would you get that ruling? I don't know. They, I guess they investigated and decided just what I told you. Well, I'm gonna doesn't mean they're going to get the loan, but I don't know. You, you, one of my favorite lines, you call this Peter Navarro SPAC, well, which I <laughs> thought makes me I, laugh. I sometimes try to amuse. Is he going to try to revive his SPAC? I don't know, but I can tell you that Aiken Gump, uh, that is what I call a generous ruling. It's a generous ruling. All right. That's sui generous, generous ruling. Carl, back to you. Uh, Jim, modest gains here as we're trying to hold 3,400. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. Three to one advancing to declining stocks. Three up days in a row for the S&P 500. We're trying to break out of this 3,300 to 3,400 range. So we're at the top end of where we've been trading uh, in the last five or six sessions. We'll see if we can hold that kind of a defensive tone to the open. Take a look at the major sectors. Industrials open strong, but that's because FedEx has been really strong. I'll show you that in just a moment. Uh, but healthcare, consumer staples doing well. Tech's up, but Apple's down. Um, Microsoft's been up or down on either side of positive or negative since the open. Uh, energy fractionally up. Bank's still down. Bank's doing absolutely nothing as usual. I uh, want to show you FedEx here. Remind everybody, FedEx is up 65% this year. It's essentially taken off since the last earnings report. The last earnings report was the end of June, and it's essentially been straight up here. There's a year-to-date for FedEx uh, since that last report at the end of June. Up again today, and it's up for a very simple reason. Jim spoke about it, but there's a very simple way to understand this, and that's what you want to do is look at the ground part of their business. That's the e-commerce part of the business. FedEx ground revenue uh, up. Revenue growth 36% here. That's not a typo. Express up 8%. Freight down. So that ground, that's the e-commerce business, which is exploding and doing really well. And the numbers were even better than anybody anticipated. And that's the key to understanding FedEx and most of these, uh, the growth in some of these names uh, that are out there in the, in the uh, transport space. Uh, Ten years ago, I think it was, Mark Andreessen said famously, software is eating the world. That became a very famous line, and he's absolutely right. It's becoming more true, if anything. Uh, we're getting four IPOs uh, this week that are software, and they're, this is now the biggest year ever for software IPOs. So far to date, including the four this week, $7.8 has been raised in IPOs. This is software IPOs. 
$5 billion was what we had in 2018. That was the biggest year ever for software IPO. So you can see we're passing that. And we haven't even had some of the big ones coming. Palantir is coming. Asana is coming in the next few weeks. I'm excluding that from these estimates here. Uh, and you might say, why? Why are they all coming now? Well, they all fill certain niches that are important. Snowflake does data management. It's sort of a pure play on cloud computing. I think that's why there's so much enthusiasm about it. JFrog does software tools um, for uh, software updating, essentially. Uh, and Unity does 3D video game developments. Uh, half of the top online games use them. Sumo Logic does data analysis. They, they study how customers interact with a company's website. And Asana does project management. So all these have a niche. And the bottom line is every company in America needs to upgrade their software to deal with more customers. And these are all filling various niches that are important. The enthusiasm level, is it worth the effort? Uh, well, <laughs> worth the prices? Snowflake's been up upgraded essentially in the price three times in the last week. So 28 million shares at 120. But a week ago, we were talking about 75 to 85. Then they upped it to 100 to 110 over the weekend. Look at that. What's going on? We just got an upgrade for IPO for uh, Unity Software today. They do 3D games. They're at 44 to 48. Yesterday, they were at 34 to 42. So you get the idea here, guys, that the world is dying for software, and these companies are providing it. Guys, back to you. All right, uh, Bob, thanks a lot. A lot to look forward to this afternoon with the Fed statement and the presser. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Hi, Carl. You know, it was a big deal yesterday when China had their first positive read on retail sales for 2020. Now, the U.S. has had four. Today was the fourth. But it was still a bit of a disappointment. Up six tenths wasn't nearly as strong as we were looking for. It was about half strength. But also remember, it's the advance, which means if it was a puzzle, we're missing quite a few pieces. We'll fill it in for the next couple weeks and see if it changes when it's released in its final form. Look at an intraday of 10s. You could clearly see the disappointment in the way interest rates fell after that number was released. As a matter of fact, they fell all over the world. There's a high correlation with U.S. data and all the sovereigns. And Boone's actually went minus 50 for a while. And as you look at this chart from late July, you can see how rare it's been to be closing under minus 50 basis points. So we want to pay very close attention to that level. When it comes to foreign exchange, especially as we go into the second day of the Fed meeting, as Carl pointed out, we're obviously going to be in a highly stimulative, lower for longer, at least if the Fed has their druthers, on interest rates. That isn't dollar friendly, and the euro has been very strong of late, but is starting to give up ground, whether it's against the Chinese currency or the yen, as you see in this end of July euro versus yen. The euro is now at a one and a half month low against the yen. Finally, let's look at a three-day chart of the dollar versus the Chinese yuan. It really has been getting shellacked as of late. Right now, it's currently sitting, as you see, the three-day deterioration there at nearly 17-month lows. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see a lot of you today. Uh, Rick Santelli. Still to come, uh, White House Chief of Staff Meadows on the stimulus talks and this new uh, proposal from the House Problem Solvers Caucus. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Don't want to let an hour uh, end here without uh, some discussion of that TikTok deal that we're still waiting on potential approval from the U.S. government. Of course, we don't know the details. The Wall Street Journal, though, today reporting something that I have not known, which is that uh, China's ByteDance, they say, is going to keep a majority stake in TikTok. 
uh, and that Oracle would buy potentially something. And of course, remember, it's in many ways a web hosting deal. The traffic would then be brought or the data would be brought and stay on uh, in Oracle's cloud, Jim. But this is fascinating for so many reasons. The key one being that all along, at least I was under the understanding that the administration wanted the company itself to be sold to a U.S. entity. Uh, and now you're going to have the Chinese still controlling it. Well, but, and uh, if you're Kevin Mayer, by the way, who resigned because you didn't think you were going to get a chance to run global TikTok and move the headquarters here to the U.S., and it's all actually happening exactly as you would hoped it would, and you're the one who brought Oracle to the table, you must be saying, oh, my God, well, what did I, I do? I'm not sure that you can exactly call what the journal said to be totally accurate. Okay. Uh, because the key element, again, is for just what you said for Kevin Mayer. They're going to do an IPO within 12 months, and the conversion of eligible shareholders, David, into TikTok Global will make it so that a majority of the shares will be owned by non-Chinese once you do the IPO. It's a global distribution. And do not forget, it, the article did not mention that the majority of the board will be U.S. passport holders. The headquarters will be in U.S. and they're going to hire 25,000 people. I'm calling the, the Wall Street Journal article suboptimal when it comes to what's going to occur. And kept, that mayor must be kicking himself. He's going to get the IPO, get everything. It was exactly the deal that they had originally planned. Yes, it was. Isn't that something yeah. Oh, wow. Must hurt. Uh, guys, uh, 3410 as we uh, await the uh, Fed waiting game ahead of the presser this afternoon. Don't go anywhere. Adobe going uh, negative on the heels of its earnings last night. Take a look at some of the NASDAQ 100 laggards. Uh, we'll talk to Sean Tanuna Ryan later on this morning about the quarter and about the stock's nearly 50% appreciation so far this year. Back in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You know, people are buzzing about Nikola Carl and SEC, and now what people say is justice. Justice, of course, not going to tell me what they're investigating. But I know that the, apparently they are interested in more than just one truck reveal. Uh, they're interested in a lot of, uh, of, of what the company put out as looking like a truck that was you know, going real fast that was actually just going down a hill. The Justice Department doesn't seem to like that set of facts. Can't imagine why. So not so good, Carl. Uh, not yeah. so good there. Stocks, stocks still above levels that it was at a couple of days ago, no, though. And we did get higher. a notice of uh, some stock purchases by Trevor Milton. Oh, good. They need to raise money. Uh, the hydrogen stuff, I can't find anywhere near the hundred. Uh, the savings of hydrogen. I deal with hydrogen companies. I can't find anybody who says they can get it that cheap. But I keep, I'm looking. But uh, Nikola is exciting. And I know it's captured the uh, Robin Hood crowd, uh, and they should recognize that not everybody in the government is that thrilled with what Nikola's done in previous years. Yeah. Don't How want about the tonight, Justice Jim? Department. You never want the Justice Department. I mean, one of the things, Justice Department investigating you, bad. Okay, bad. Not investigating you, good. Investigating you, bad. All right. So tonight I've got box. And then I have Campbell's Soup. I don't know. Say they're really hitting smucker. Uh, but I think Klaus did a good job. Stock's very, very cheap. Aaron had his breakout quarter. Let's see how he's handling it. And how about Adobe being down? Isn't that something? And Beyond Meat's up seven. Yeah, we'll I'm, see if it lasts. I'm told I get my, I'm told I get my meatballs today. Jim, we'll see at 6. Uh, Mad Money, of course, uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 